What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and this is our first show of the year. That's right, we're back in 2021, and we have got so many things coming up. We've got four big retrospectives coming this year. We've got... I'm not, well, I'm going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'll put it out there, but we've got four biggies coming out this year. I've got some other things coming up. I've got some interviews coming up that are fantastic. I'm really excited about. And I'm going to be doing some focuses on some specific characters. I am going to be celebrating an actor's 110th birthday this year. And I'm going to do something special for it. So I'm very excited. In fact, I'll tell you what. If you can come in and find and guess and tell me who that actor is... Uh, I'll probably give you a prize. So come on, find me on the Twitters, or email me, or find me in some way, contact me through one of my social medias. Which actor is a hundred and... Wait a minute. Yeah, 110 this year that I'm going to be doing a special on. Let me know what you think. Anyway, carrying on with this episode, we are going straight in with something fantastic this year. I recently read a book. It's a fantastically good book. It's a book that really is exactly what I've been looking for. Something I've mentioned on this show a couple of times, an idea that I have been rumbling around for quite some time, this idea of a horror shared universe. We've got the MCU, the DCEU, and they tried to do a shared horror universe with the Dark Universe. It wasn't very good. Um, But this guy, Sean Hogan, author Sean Hogan, uh, took this idea and ran with it. Uh, not only once, but twice. We sort of touch on the second one. I'm yet to read it. I'm very much looking forward to it. But his first book, England Screaming, is absolutely fantastic. And there's a full review of the book after the interview. Uh, but the book itself is uh, a run-through, a walk-through, I should say, of uh, English or British horror of the 20th century, entwining it all together. The Omen, uh, Peeping Tom... Um, so many others I'm not going to go into. I will go more into the review. Fantastic, fantastic book. Um, but first, before we get to that, I interview Sean Hogan. I got a chance to talk to him. Now, I should say that Sean's probably going to come back at some point because not only did he write this wonderful book, he was also a producer on uh, Future Shock, uh, the story of 2000 AD, uh, the documentary that looks at the history of uh, one of my favourite comic anthologies, 2000 AD, so I'll be probably getting him on for that. But that's besides the point. Today we're about here to talk about his book. So, without further ado, I'm going to hand you over to me and Sean for our discussion of England Screaming. First things first, let's get let's start with the, the smoke blowing. Um, I really enjoyed this book. So, England <laughs> Screaming, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's This book is the thing I've been waiting for for a while. Like, ever since they had, like, you know, the comic books shared universes and then the, the failed dark universe i've kept saying like I've, I've been saying for ages like a shared horror universe is easy because there's so much for you telling you how to do it it takes some work but like you could do it and then your book came along and i was like see <laughs> perfect 
Um, but where did you come up with the idea? What was the, what was the sort of the thing that triggered for you to create to to create this uh, this narrative and stuff? Um, well, I, I've always been sort of pretty open about this because I think it's good to acknowledge your sources. Um, mm. There's a book called Suspects published in the 80s, uh, written by the film critic David Thompson, which does a similar thing with film noir characters. Mm. Um, and I always really loved that book. And um, kind of, I forget when I exactly when I had the notion of doing a horror version of it, but eventually that sort of idea came to me. But it was just kind of an idea because at that time, you know, for like the last 15 years or so, I was mostly working as a screenwriter and a filmmaker. Mm. So the idea of writing a book was just kind of beyond me. I, I know a lot of writers. My partner's a writer, but I was always kind of like, yeah, no, that's, that's proper writing. That's not what I do. And, you know, <laughs> and every time I thought about doing that book, it just seemed so huge, mm. so insurmountable. I was like, where would I even start? That's crazy. <laughs> you know? And then randomly I got asked if I would be interested in writing a monograph. Mm. Um, for uh, for a, a, an imprint called Electric Dreamhouse, which was just starting up to do books on film-related, you know, yeah. and mostly sort of genre-related book films. And um, the editor, who I'd never met in my life, and I still no idea why he asked me, but he got in touch and said, would you be interested in doing one of these? And, you know, and they, they're, they're monographs, so they only had to be sort of 20, 30,000 words. Yeah. And... I was, you know, flattered he'd asked me and um, kind of just thought, well, why not? I'll, you know, cross that off the bucket list. I can say I've written a book, even if I never do it again. Mm. So I ended up sort of agreeing and I ended up doing a book on um, Deathline, which also features in England Screaming. Yeah. Um, and I sort of chose it instinctively, really, without really knowing what I wanted to do. And... In the end, it sort of took me a little while before I could get around to it. And I started thinking, I was like, I don't want to write an average, your average monograph. I was like, I like reading them, but it's not particularly what I want to write. Mm. And so in the end, I ended up writing most of that book as the diary of the Donald Pleasant character from the film. Because mm. I loved the character so much. I loved his voice. Yeah. I thought, I'm going to write that character's diary. And then in the course of doing that, I sort of pulled in some other films as well. So I was kind of doing my mini version of mm. what I'd always wanted to do. Um, and I kind of, I, need, I didn't tell the editor what I was doing. I kind of thought, you might think I'm nuts. He might just bin it. <laughs> but I was like, I don't care. This is what I want to do. If he doesn't like it and he doesn't want to publish it, that's fine. But I sent it to him and I was like, this is not quite what you were expecting maybe. Um, but he really liked it. And... After having done that, I suddenly thought maybe I could write that book, that bigger mm. book. And I said to the editor, I was like, if I wrote this book, would you be interested in doing it? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So kind of that was how I eventually came around to doing it. And then when I started doing it, it was, I was, it was a whole different thing. And I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it does seem to be as huge as I always thought it might be, but so it was kind of a bit kind of like running a marathon. But I, I got through it, and um, you know, luckily it seems to have worked out okay. Well, that's the thing. One of the things I find fascinating is, you know, you said that how huge it is because it is. I mean, this isn't like 
you know, a couple of films interwoven. Like this is a, a narrative over like just over half a century encompassing like, you know, a ton of films. Yeah. Um, did you always have the, 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 the narrative that sort of runs through it? Um, because there's little side, there's, we'll talk about the side sort of tracks, but there's a main Ooh. narrative that runs through it. Was that yeah. the, the starting point or did that come later? Um, I can't remember what the starting point was. I did always kind of have that thread in mind, even if I didn't know all the places it was going to go to. Mm. I knew that I was going to end up sort of using Damien Thorne as that through line character. And I kind of knew roughly where it was going to end up. Yeah. Although I, I can't quite remember at what point John Mauler came into it as this kind of, you know, uh, opposing character to him. So uh, I don't know, but yeah, I always kind of did have some idea of that thread. Mm. Um, But honestly, the book kind of told me what it was when I started writing it. I didn't really entirely know what it was going to be. And, and while I was writing it, obviously, we were in the sort of, well, I say the early stages, the mid stages of the whole Brexit thing. Mm. And that, it just kind of that kind of crept into the book, although I never wanted to sort of use the B word. But that sort of feeling crept into the book of this is what's happening to the country. And just watching all those films, you know, I just suddenly kind of got a sense of the larger picture of you know just in terms of how those films are working on a social level and a class Mm. level and it just it it just kind of all came into the book without necessarily me really planning in advance that was what was going to happen it just took on its its own form really so that's really cool because i when reading it i think especially towards the end the the final sort of third of the book and i think there's a a theme i sort of picked up on I really enjoyed but and I was thinking about how you must have written this and I had sort of this idea of like the serial killer board with like you know with red string all over the place sort of like connecting right so there's this film and this character goes off and goes over to here and so that thing because there's some really cool uh connections um and I love the fact I did consider like making one of those boards and then I just kind of thought no that's just gonna I'm gonna end up spending more time doing that board than the board um but I like the fact that there's different grades of references. Like, you know, there's like, because each chapter is almost like a short story in many ways, you know. But there's ones that are like, you know, you'll have them bunched together. So there's like three that sort of like lean into each other quite heavily. And then you could be like 50 pages on and there's a reference back. And I was like skimming back going, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it had me sort of like shooting back and forth through the book, which I really enjoyed because it kept me thinking. Um but I did notice one of the things, the themes you say about that uh, is about this class thing is <clears throat> um, the character of Dracula in particular. Um, obviously, it's the, the, the hammer Dracula. And this idea of him going from being an aristocrat in the old, the period hammer stuff and then being brought into, you know, to the Dracula 72 AD, but then becoming like a captain of industry and this new sort of like aristocrat of the modern. And I really like that that sort of, this idea of, of these characters sort of over time so almost almost maintaining their status but in a more modern way and stuff and changing yeah. world yeah 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 i mean I, that, that's kind of obviously that's uh, that's partly in the films i was sort of mm. just kind of using what was there but it was 
Uh, yeah, it was interesting to write Dracula because you can take him over such a long period of time, and and the, like the Hammer, the modern day Hammer films don't entirely deal with the implications of him being in a modern world so much like like mm. satanic rights does more so than dracula 1972 so it was kind of fun to take that a bit further but then you and then you again you sort of put him in into opposition with damien thorne and then you know mm. you obviously have kind of questions of ego and rivalry there and so that kind of things you know it was, that was fun to do you're just kind of clashing characters off each other and just sort of seeing what 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 would happen you know in a, in a way that's that that's the kind of fun stuff of it where you just kind of like what would happen if so and so met so and so you know oh well that that's totally what it, <laughs> i love that <laughs> and that, that there's there's that in it i mean there's characters in this um, and i will say there's characters that i know well because having watched the films and love some of the films and then there are more obscure characters that sure. That, that, that sent me off onto you know um, movie watching tangents where I'm like, well, I can't watch this for three days, and I can't read this for three days. I've got to go watch <laughs> this film. Is it on Prime or Netflix, or where can I get it from? So, um, well, it's yeah. I mean, um, I, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily expect everyone to have seen everything, and in some respects, it's nice if you can kind of point people towards. Yeah films that they may not have seen or may not know about um i think i do say in the opening of the book that uh, it's not necessarily meant to be a these are the best films there are definitely some films in there i don't like mm. um one or two which are terrible um but just kind of fit on a story level so yeah it's not it's not meant to be a best of i did sort of try and include stuff that i liked that I thought was worthy of attention and I tried mm. to be representative as well. So just all the kind of different corners of what UK genre is. I was sort yes. of wanted to try and include examples of that, which is why there's, you know, TV stuff in there mm. and even like, you know, the, the short public information film gets a chapter. I, I was going to mention when that there was, yeah, cause that, that was I mean, the question I was going to ask is like, you know, were you concerned that any of the characters were too obscure? Um, and the more I thought about that, I was like, well, you have a public information in there about <laughs> public information about water safety. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil anything much, but like, it then leads into um, uh, um, Donald Sutherland. And I'm thinking, um, um, oh, look now. Yes, yeah, Donald Nair. And I was like, that's wonderful. <laughs> I was like, that's such a good idea. Uh, and then you obviously bring in um, one of my favourite things and one of my sort of like uh, formative horror memories from 92 is uh, Ghost Watch. Yes. And Mr. Pipes is in there. So, you know, yes. these things get thrown in. And so, um, you know, it, were you concerned at any point that you thought, oh, this might be a bit too left field with any of the characters? Um, no, I just, I kind of thought... Of, you know, there's going to be signposts in there that, like, everyone's going to know. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, everyone knows the Omen movies. Everyone knows Dolan now. So it's not going to... People are not going to are going to pick up the book and kind of go, I don't know any of this. This is not speaking to me. It's like, mm. some of it they're going to know. Some of it they may not. But hopefully by then they're in the kind of swing of the book anyway. And hopefully the pieces stand on their own two feet. It's sort mm. of like you're not necessarily meant to have seen everything. 
you know, there, there's probably a certain level <clears throat> at which, okay, you might get more out of it if you have seen everything, but the book should still work if you mm. haven't seen everything. And if it puts people on to like some films, then great. But, you know, I, if, if I've done my job properly, <laughs> you should be able to read those pieces. And even if you haven't seen the film, it should work on a story level and hopefully you know, <coughs> some of the connections possibly, you know, to other films that you have seen, mm. you know, yeah, it's, it's never met. It's not meant to be like a fanboy wink, wink, you, you know, if you're not, if you haven't seen all this stuff, you're not cool enough to read this book. It was never, never meant to be. Oh no, no. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, it isn't, I, mean, I hadn't read, I'm sorry. I haven't watched all the films in this, but like I say, but the narrative works. I hadn't watched it all until I wrote the book. There was like some stuff in yeah. there that I was like, all right, now I'm gonna, finally going to sit down and watch this, you know. Well, that was it. I mean, the thing is, I like the fact, because it's, it's this combination of obviously, like, you know, classics. I mean, it starts with sort of like Night of the Demon and then comes through to, you know, some, uh, some more modern stuff, you know, um, including a film I, I actually really enjoyed, but it's a dark song. Yeah. Uh, but the occultist, you know, it's, it's tapping into like Alistair Crowley when he obviously tried to do the same thing in, in, in Loch Ness. And I was like... I, I really enjoyed that. But I was like, yeah, it's sending me off to find stuff. And I was like, you know, that's what's really cool about this is like you say, you don't have to be uh, a full on, you know, horror aficionado to enjoy this. Like it's, it works as a horror novel, as a it's horror good. sort of like as a history of, of this thing. And so you get to know the characters through the book anyway, but it works both ways. I think, because one of the things I found fascinating was, if you know the films, you can you can get something from the book because you can yep. do that comparison. But more so, if you've read the book and then go watch the films, you've got that. To me, I had that slight thing of like, no, well, this is actually you know I can see this as part of this wider tapestry sort of thing. Oh, great! Um, okay. Have you uh, did you have you watched anything since you've read the book? Have you gone? Well, a dark song. That was it. I went back and watched. Oh, that. Okay. I, I watched, right. um, watched uh, Borderlands um, and. Um, a few others. So yeah, I went to watch those and I, I did, I sort of, you know, it, it brings something weirdly to those films or to the experience of watching those films. So I, I, yeah, so it worked both ways for me. So this is sort of like a, it's enriched my experience in both directions, which is great. Um, so you can do that. And I recommend if people do, you know, when they do, because I think they should, everyone should, is when they do read this is, is take it and do that with it. Um, yeah. I mean, like I a very old friend of mine, read the book and he was literally going he would stop every time he got to a film he hadn't seen and watch the film before he yeah. carried on so it took him a long time to read it but you know i admired his dedication and there were moments where I did, that's exactly what i did there were times where i was like i've really got to watch this film or um peeping tom was a good one that's mentioned in the book it's like one of those films I was like look i've i've heard about this film so much it's been on my watch list for ages right i'm gonna go watch this now right then i'll come back to it and that was a good one you know that was that was really cool um so yeah there's there's so much in this in this and i'll say it's added to my watch list I'm, and, and you know i'm going to enjoy it and, but um were there any films that you added or wanted to add that you went oh, this one i can't get this one to work or it doesn't fit you know and so you've had to take those out or i don't think so i can't remember anything offhand i think i sort of got most of the ones i really wanted to get in there done i mean there's obviously a big sort of a mission in the book which is a lot of the kind of classic hammer stuff mm. which is only because it's in period yeah. and never meant to be a sort of period book uh there are moments of where it does go back into the past but that's with stuff that does link up to the present mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. 
but you know, obviously, a lot of Hammer is period Gothic, and so and it doesn't do that. So there's a large chunk of sort of English genre cinema that it doesn't cover. Um, but I mean, aside from that, I, I was sort of you know pretty happy with what I got in there. Mm. Um, I, it was a bit hard on Peter Cushing because he's he only has a brief cameo in there because a lot yeah. of his most famous stuff is that kind of period gothic. Um, so I maybe should have tried a bit harder to get him a, <laughs> a proper role. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, he, that, that's my main regret, just in terms of not doing right by Peter Cushing. But I think in terms of actual films... I was sort of okay with what, what I had. As I said, there's a definite leaning to Chris. Christopher Lee clearly worked incredibly yes. hard for a period of time. Like, <laughs> Christopher Lee gets a big shout out in this, and it's great that he does. Um, you know, in, in most, yeah, but he also the where he where he ends up having a scene with himself, which I kind of enjoyed doing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's what I mean. Like you know, he's, it goes through. But I love the fact that like, you know he is, and I've, I've got it here just because uh, I wanted to remember it. Like. Um, he appears throughout it, and he, he's almost like the, the character of like you know he, he's a uh, Fremont and uh, Stratton Vill, uh, yeah. Villiers. Yeah. So he acts almost. He's almost like the like you know um, he, he lives throughout this book, and it comes pretty much to modern day. And he's almost like you know if you take the X Files, he's almost like the cigarette smoking man in the background of this. Like he keeps. Yeah. He appears, and he's sort of like you know, drifts in and out and then he gets mentioned somewhere else or like, you know, he gets, there's, there's an allusion to him in it. And at the end of the book, you sort of highlight that, oh, well, actually I've had, I've had lots of names and, you know, throughout this yeah. book, you've actually known me as these two characters and it's sort of like, you know, that final chapter, um, or at least his final chapter is really well, cool. And you know, oh, he's, he's like this, yeah. what, what is he? Where does he come from? How does he sort of fit into this? I want to know more. So, well, he he really kind of wrote himself into the book. Mm. He wasn't necessarily planned, but um, so I, I have you have you seen Deathline? Not Deathline, no. And have you seen Scream and Scream again? I've seen Scream and Scream again. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So so when I wrote the book on Deathline, he definitely. I mean, so in the film Deathline, that character has one scene. Yeah. They got they got him in for a for a cameo role for one day, mm. and it's a great scene. But it, he, they literally shoehorned it into the film because they were like, "We can get Christopher Lee in for a day." <laughs> so he has one scene with Donald Pleasance, but it's a great scene, and the character's very evocative. Mm. So when I wrote the book on Deathline, he kind of ended up sort of coming back into that because the book goes beyond the story of the film and takes the story mm. further. So I enjoyed writing him in that. And then it, it occurred to me that he basically is the same character in Scream and Scream again. Mm. So if you watch both films, they could be the same character. Yeah. So, you know, different names, but in all other respects, they're the same person. Mm. So I was like, great, okay, they are the same person because that's, this, that's what this book is. I can do this kind yeah. of stuff. <laughs> so I was, and, then, and then it just kind of sprang from that. I'm like, well, if that's, the, if that's who he is then of course he's going to have, you know, his fingers are going to be getting into everything. And he mm. kind of became representative of the establishment of the kind of mm. malign forces of, you know, the shadowy, the shadowy, shadowy establishment. Yeah. And it works really well. I mean, like he's, he's a character because like you say, he, you know, he verges on what immortality in some way. Like we don't know, I suppose, but 
you know, there's, there's, it's almost like um, he walks out of this book and you sort of, or at least he gets, sorry, he gets uh, chauffeured out of this book. <laughs> and, and I'm almost like, where's he going? What else is he doing? What's he up to? Like, he's a fascinating character, to, like you said, to have him in the background because I like the fact that this book does work on those layers, you know, because he, he and sort of like Damien Thorne never really meet, but they've got these two narratives running through and Damien obviously has a... Yeah, like a, a Boris Johnson Trumpian kind of end, which I'm not going to spoil on it, but like you know, he he gets almost like a weirdly like evil redemption. Um, um, well, again, that was something you know, something else that was sort of fun to do, but also kind of has a uh, there is a sort of critical level to the book where you can go back and you can sort of look at things in films that are that don't work or uh, mm. nonsensical or whatever. So it very much retcons Damien's story of, mm. because because Omen 3 just falls apart on so many levels. Yeah. It was fun to kind of go back and rethink <laughs> that and sort of say, okay, this is actually what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and you sort of, you're trying to work within the framework of what's already there. You don't want to just kind of go, no, none of that happened, but you sort of try and interpret it in a slightly different way because it was like, no one's satisfied with that film. I was like, no, it is. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's go in a slightly different direction with this. Well, it is, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you say, it's, it's with a lot of the films like that. And I think, uh, you know, Omen 3 is probably a, a really good example where you do watch it and you go, one more pass at this script and they could have fixed all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, no, it's very, it's very frustrating, you know, yeah. And you've you've been given the opportunity to, to sort yeah, of fix exactly. that, and you do. It's great. Um, like I said, this covers so much, and like I say, you know, um, I'll be doing like a bit of a review of it with the, within the podcast and stuff as well. So, um, but one of the questions is, or at least I, I saw, and I don't know if it was you that mentioned it on, on Facebook or something. Is there a sequel or a follow up in the works? So, okay, that's there's two parts to this question. First part is there is already a semi sequel in existence, ah. which is this book, uh, which is called Three Mothers, One Father, which is a smaller book. It's yeah. like 30, 25, Three is, this the, is this based on the Argento? Yes, this is ah. this is Euro horror. Yeah, so it's a more contained book about Euro horror, which is available from uh, Black Shuck Books. It's a nice dinky little paperback that you can buy for about a fiver, I think, or you can yeah. buy the ebook ninety nine p. That kind of came out around the same time as England Screaming, and they were again. It was um, another publisher I know, and he asked me if I would do something for him, and I thought, oh, I could write a little side project to mm. to to the English book. Um, so I did that. It has a couple of callbacks to England Screaming in it. So it is, it's its own story, but there are a couple of connections yeah. to it. And so that was kind of a sort of semi-sequel addendum to England Screaming. I am currently writing the sort of official follow-up, which is American horror, but, oh, will, but will pick up the threads of England Screaming. Mm. So, and that is going to be pretty epic. I think <laughs> uh, I've written quite a lot of it and I have a feeling I've not written 
even half of it. So <laughs> <laughs> that one I'm still in the middle of and I'm still figuring out. But I think you know, it's I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I think if you like England Screaming, then you'll you should like this one. Yeah, because I say with you know, I love like, British horror is is ace. I mean, you know, you say it's uh, everything from Hammer and Amicus and you know everything in between, sort of like you know up to the modern day. Like it's got a real breadth and and a real like there's a you can always tell British horror. I think you know. Oh yeah, no, it had, that was. I mean, when I first thought about doing this purely as a kind of fantasy idea in my head it seemed natural to me to do American horror because that mm. was kind of my, my first love. That was sort of what a lot of what I grew up watching. I sort of started on the hammers because those were the first things I was allowed to see. But as soon as I was a little older, I kind of gravitated towards a lot of the kind of new wave American stuff. That was what really spoke to me, you know, that sort of seventies new wave. Mm. And so that was kind of where a lot, a lot of my favorite stuff was so when i first started thinking about the book i was like i would do american horror of course i would and part of i think part of what initially sort of scared me about writing it was that american horror just seemed so vast yeah and then i yeah i think it was the uh, the uh i think it was neil the the editor of the book who sort of he i think he just assumed that i would do english horror so when i sort of pitched the idea to him about doing the, the book you know, he just assumed it would be English and I was like yeah I could I could it seemed more manageable I was like I could mm. do I could do British horror because it's less vast even though in the end it was still quite a big undertaking it seemed yeah. more manageable so now having done that now I'm like yeah I can do American horror now <laughs> and it's still as vast as I thought it was originally so I'm still like oh my god what am I going to include how am I going to get everything in there yeah I mean that, that's that goes back you know, it's obviously, you know, you get everything from Universal Monsters through to, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, you have the same problem with a lot of the Universal stuff. Oh, being period. And... In that it's period. Mm. A lot of it's been set in some kind of weird fantasy Europe. So it doesn't really connect. So there's not going to be a huge amount of that kind of stuff in there. Um, and a lot of it, I'm going to have to pick and choose. There's no way I can sort of get everything yeah. in there anyway so it's going to really have to everything's going to have to earn its keep in the american book but i'm trying i'm trying to get a lot in there that sounds like, great though i mean like you say there's so much like from the american everything like you say from slasher the slasher film through to uh like you know corman horror and, and, and their gothic and their sort of you know supernatural so yeah that's uh yeah i mean it's uh, you know in a very strong sense these books have ended up being very much about kind of now and the world mm. that we live in and so i'm i'm always kind of more interested in contemporary stuff i suppose just because it kind of works within yes. the framework of what i'm doing is that I, you know I'm, I'm sort of trying using these films as a way to look at the world i suppose um and so yeah I, i'm always going to be more focused on the more more contemporary films but you know there's always going to be a, some, some older stuff in there as well Excellent. I look forward to that when that comes out. As you say, I won't ask for a date because it sounds like you say you're, you're wading through it at the yeah, moment. I mean, I, um, I would I would hope to deliver it within the sort of first third of next year, but as to when it will come out, that's not really up to me. 
I mean, yeah. I would love if it could be out sort of late next year, but whether or not that's possible is down to the publishers, not up to me. Yeah. No, but that sounds excellent. I'm very excited for that. And also, I said three, was it called Three Mothers? One Father. One Father. Yeah, so I'm taking note of that. So, um, yeah, so look out for that, listeners. So, yeah, if you do like it, sort of uh, England Screaming, available from, I keep getting there, what's the, what's the publisher? PS Publishing. PS Publishing are the main publisher and Electric Dreamhouse is the imprint, but it's yes. available via the PS Publishing website or via Amazon. Yeah, so it's out there, so check it out. Um, and obviously Three Mothers, One Father, which I'm going to go back to Tootle off and have a look for as well, so I'm going to try and find a copy of that. Um, Marvellous. But yeah, that, you know, that, that sort of, that's all my questions. It's been fascinating talking to you about it, and thank you for your time. Oh. Uh, no, 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 absolutely. It's a great book, and uh, I, I can't wait for the American one. Now that's that's going to be on the uh, a note will be going on the sort of like the keep my eyes open for that one. Um, yeah, I will. Uh, obviously, as soon as there's any information on it, I will I will pimp it. Uh, my my limited presence on social media, but I will do the best I can to let people know yeah. it exists. Well, I can. Uh, you know, you are always more than welcome to be coming back on here, and we'll talk about it. And, and uh, oh, too, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, my. <laughs> My horror knowledge will be sort of, again, I'm happy to be going, oh, no, I haven't seen that. Better go off and see that one. <laughs> uh, my partner says exactly the same thing because she's, uh, she's a huge horror fan, but she's American. Mm. So she was not as familiar with a lot of these films because they were just not on her radar. But now she's like, oh, you're writing the American one, so I can f- I'm finally going to know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm like, well, but, you know, there might be some obscure stuff in there. But... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe. I think, you know, that sounds good. But yeah, but Sean, thank you very much. Uh, really, thank you very much for having me. And uh, and we'll talk again soon. <coughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. The interview with Sean Hogan, a wonderful bloke and a fantastic book. Um, I should say, as I said before, actually, Sean Hogan will probably be coming back on the show at some point to talk about uh, 2008. And I really want to sort of look in on those lesser-known characters from the 80s and early 90s. But let's talk about England Screaming. Let's have a quick chat about the book itself. This book, um, published by Electric Dreamhouse, um, as I said in the interview, was something I was really looking for. This is definitely something that it came about at the right time, really. I mean, I've always been talked about a horror shared universe. If you ever listened to one of our previous episodes, I had this idea about... Um, American werewolf in London, and there's a character in that, Jack, <coughs> who dies, and when he comes back as the, the uh, um, undead, he he says to um, the main uh, Kessler boy, David Kessler, he says about um, everything they uh, they believed, or everything they'd ever heard about the supernatural, it was true, and I always felt that that was like an in to a wider universe but it was never obviously struck upon it was never designed to be a, um, a franchise starter that wasn't really what Landis, John Landis was looking to do but this book basically does that I mean the, the character of Jack Goodman appears in this book and you know s- sort of experiences exactly what he explains in the hospital but more than that this book takes a um a selection of the horror characters from the 20th century British horror scene and sort of weaves this narrative 
Now, it's not to say that they all intertwine. It's not one huge story. It's like, as I say in the interview, it's more like a series of short stories or vignettes, vignettes um, that sort of have a, a moment of sort of connectivity with other stories. There's some characters that sort of weave in and out of it more so than others. Um, the the one, the main one being um, Damien, the Omen. Sort of, it's sort of his story. Um, mainly but you do get these other characters that are coming up um and films that are sort of mentioned or at least you know alluded to repeatedly um and that's one of the things it works because it feels like real life like it, this isn't so what i love the mcu it's all driven by a singular narrative overall but this feels a bit more like the comics you know of, of marvel where <clears throat> You'll have a certain amount of story, and this one might pop in just for a little bit, and that's sort of what this does. But some of the films that this sort of um, interweaves with are, are fantastic. I mean, <clears throat> you get some of the biggies, as I said. You get, you know, The Omen, uh, Hellraiser's mentioned in here, uh, American Wife in London. Um, <clears throat> Try to think. That was sort of like uh, Peeping Tom, uh, another one that's sort of British horror. But then a, a load of much more obscure horror. Uh, well, not much obscure, that's the wrong word, because it's not like it's hard to find. It's probably just lesser seen. But, you know, it's just so well done that it doesn't matter if you have seen the film or not. If you've seen the film and the source material, um, it um, makes both of them better. If you haven't seen the source material, there is enough in here to... Um, <clears throat> give you enough information to really dig into it. So, this I mean, this drove me to go check out several films, and there's also several on here that were already in my watch list that I've now also gone and seen. So, it, it actually does that, you know, it drives you off to check things out. Um, how does it stand up though? I mean, the, the two things I'll say how does it stand up as? Does it stand up as a narrative? Um, yes, yes it really does. I mean the idea is that each chapter focuses on a character from a horror book or from a horror story, horror film and they're sort of woven together through their story and then others. Um, so you obviously get Damien at different ages as he gets older um, <clears throat> but my, one of my favourite ones in this is um, let's find it now the, the film Don't Look Now with um, Donald Sutherland in. Um, so, I have to find out. The spirit again. So, you got Anna Robinson and Laura Baxter. So, you get this sort of three, um, at least two, but three, I think, um, short sort of chapter bits that stick together. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to spoil it, but um, the, the, story, the film Don't Look Now starts with uh, Donald Sutherland and his wife's uh, character losing their daughter. So they, they, she drowns in a pond outside their house. And then they go off to try and sort of uh, get over the grief in, in Italy and stuff, and it catches up with them a bit later on. Really good film, really suspenseful, really creepy at times. But more than that, this is bookended... Uh, oh, no, sorry, bookended. It's preceded by a chapter by The Spirit of Dark and Lonely Water. And that chapter actually outlines um, the death of the little girl from the perspective of this spirit of the dark and lonely water. And reading it, I was like, oh my god, this this is really interesting. The spirit of the dark and lonely water isn't from a film or a TV show. 
it's from a public information advert from the 70s about how um, dark and lonely water could be diff- you know, dangerous and you shouldn't go swimming in it. And it was all about canals and ponds and how there's things in there that can pull you under and all this other stuff. So this, this spirit, in the, in the advert, there was a dark figure that sort of told them not to go in. And this is uh, in this chapter. And then it leads straight into really well done, sort of, you know, seamlessly into these other chapters about their grief and about the psychic abilities that are hinted at in the in the film. And I, I just found it imaginative and just just plucking something from um, British culture from the sort of the seventies was so sort of spot on. I thought, yeah, so that's an example of how well this book works. Um, but more than that, there's a character that the. There's a character called Agent Fremton, uh, Fremont, Fremont, blah, blah, uh, and Stratton Villiers. Both characters uh, played by Christopher Lee in, in different films. I think so. One's called um, Deadline, um, which is about subway um, cannibals, and another one called Scream and Scream Again. Um, and you know, Agent Fremton is Fremton. Yeah, Fremont. Bloody hell, Agent Fremont is from Scream and Scream Again, and Stratton Villiers is from. Uh, deadline but what they do is they combine them and make him into this sort of like shady um sort of background character that sort of exists throughout the latter latter part of the book and he keeps cropping up and one of the great things about this book is that he he just pops up in other chapters like not as a main character or anything just he'll just appear and then you know disappear and stuff like cigarette smoking man but it's clear he's not human or normal because um, towards the end of the book, it's actually ex- explicitly stated like you look exactly the same you d- as you did in the seventies, and now the book's taking place in the sort of the late nineties, um, and you know so it has this real sort of supernatural undercurrent. So the book itself, although it uses these films as source material and it mines them for all kinds of ideas and stuff, it doesn't stop there. It sort of elevates them to go. Well, here's a character that was actually really obscure and only a part of that film, and now I'm going to give them their own narrative, and in doing so, elevate them as a character. And I just think that's a really cool idea. Um, as I say, I've gone back and I've watched a lot of these films um, since having read it, and I've I've enjoyed them more with this thought in my head of this sort of like my head canon and how it connects with uh, England screaming. Um, the other thing is, just to say about the thing, so that's the idea, that's the premise and stuff. But Hogan's writing, Sean Hogan's actual um, structure and narrative and just his prose is is really, really good. It's it's never bogged down. It never sort of wants to scream at you like, you know, here's an Easter egg, here's more information, and check out this film, check out that film. It's not, it's not looking to sort of uh, hit you in the face with it. While it does give you all those things, that's not the premise of the book. It's just sort of... Uh, the structure of the book um so yeah it carries through as a really well told series of short stories and the thing is well the tone in some of these stories you know whilst always horror um veers from in in their secondary genre um they never fully you know accept sort of like comedy but you do get everything from full-on like supernatural and ghosts and witchcraft to just plain psychological horror uh, and some dark humour in there as well. So it does cover the gamut of stuff. Like It's not just trying to sort of um, hit a single tone over and over again. You get it all. And that's what you get from just reading this. Not only is the book good, but you get this sort of glimpse of how varied 
an interest in British horror was, or is, I should say. Um, so yeah, it's a really worthwhile reading book. I mean, it's not hugely long. You know, it's not a massive tome. It's really accessible. And, uh, you know, it's just checking this out. It's about 200 and just, just shy of 300 pages, um, all in all. And I, I think, you know, you can read it really relatively quickly. Uh, and as you build up your knowledge of these things, it will, I'm sure it will drive people to go and, and check out the source material. So um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I'm really glad I got to speak to Sean Hogan about it. Um, and I'm really glad it's actually the first episode we've done this year. It's a bit of a, you know, it's just a bit of a, a light, nice way to start the year with a nice interview and something around some horror as we're still in the darker months. Um, check it out. It's available on, on Amazon and obviously through Electric Dreamhouse directly uh, and a couple of other sites that special, do specialist books. But it's really, really good. More than that, what I haven't read it yet uh, is his follow-up. He did like a short follow-up. Um, and I haven't really yet. I've got it, which he mentions in the interview. Let me get it. So I've got it. There you go. Look at this. Live streaming, as it were. Okay. Three Mothers, One Father. And this does a similar thing with European horror, as he said. So I've got that. And this is done uh, by the Black Shook Shadows series. Um, cost me about six quid, this one. It's not. Yeah, it's a nice little paperback. And again, this is about... See, it's just shy of 200 pages. It was a much shorter book, smaller book, um, but this covers sort of like European horror. And now he's working on the American uh, book as well, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he pulls together with that. So much there. Um, hoping it sort of ends with something like The Blair Witch or something like that. That'd be quite cool. But yeah, uh, England Screaming. Wonderful book, absolutely fantastic book. The cover, I should mention the cover actually as well. Um... The cover is absolutely excellent. It's just, it's just the artist. I'm going to just find him because I need to shout his name out. The artist, I believe, is the same guy who has done a number of covers for like Arrow and um, Second Sight and a couple of those other sort of small, uh, smaller. Um, can't find his name. Uh, those smaller um, specialist publishers. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Graham Humphreys. There you go. Cover art by Graham Humphreys. Uh, and it's really good. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just detailed and moody, and it's, it's brilliant. So yeah, there you go. That was a that's my rough review of England Screaming. Highly recommend it if you like your horror uh, and you like something a bit different. I, I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, there we are. We've had our first episode of 2021, and we've got a couple of goodies coming up um, <clears throat> in two weeks' time with our next episode. I am going to be kicking off our first retrospective of the year. And we're not going out with a small thing. We're not going to go with some obscure uh, horror franchise or something out. We're going to be doing the Caped Crusader. We're going to be doing Batman himself. Uh, and I actually caught up with uh, Mike Burton of Genuine Chit Chat and uh, Star Wars Comics in Canon and his good lady girlfriend, Megan, um, to talk about Batman films. So we did all of the Batman-centric films that had received a theatrical release. So that is Batman 66, uh, Batman 89, Batman Returns, uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises. Now that's not all in one episode, that's a three 
part retrospective that we are doing at the start of this year. Um, and the first episode coming in two weeks is Batman 66, Batman 89, and Batman Returns. So there's something to look forward to. They're going to be fantastic. And some of the opinions in there are so cool. More so because, you know, I'm a Batman fan. I've lived with these films all my life. Mike has seen these um, bits and pieces, you know, for the most part. Uh, Megan is a novice. She's a newbie coming into this. And so being introduced into sort of the Batman movies, she comes back with some interesting uh, insights. So it's a really good retrospective. Can't wait for you guys to hear that one. Um, and there's some more stuff coming down the line. I'm not going to spoil any more, but that's what's coming next. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got anything you want to say about uh, England screaming, or you want to know more information, or you want to talk about the next retrospective, or anything else we're doing on the show, please get in contact with me. You can email me at 20thcenturygeek at gmail.com. You can contact me through the website. That's 20thcenturygeek.com. And there's a contact page on there, as well as all the podcast episodes old blogs, reviews, news, all kinds of things on there, so check that out. Um, or also find us on Twitter, Facebook, all the social medias, always on as 20th Century Geek. So if you want to find us on Twitter, that's at 20th Century Geek, uh, Instagram, 20th Century Geek, so on and so forth. You'll be able to find us, we're quite uh, conspicuous. Um, we've also got a Patreon page, where every month we do a podcast called 30 Minute Thoughts, uh, where I give my thoughts on a specific topic, just random thoughts, uh, having thought about it. could be anything from bodybuilding or uh, horror and Christmas was a good one uh, to a specific comic. I did Sandman issue one. So please go check that out. That's a monthly new monthly podcast. I also do a quarterly interview where I interview a creator in Creator's Corner and talk about a specific project that they have been working on. Uh, we recently spoke with Kieran Gillen uh, about Once and Future, which was really good fun. So please go get check that out. That's uh, Patreon forward slash 20th Century Geek. Uh, finally, if you don't want to contribute to the Patreon, and I fully understand why, but you still want to support the show, go on to your podcast catcher and leave a review. I usually say leave a five-star review, but leave whatever you review you feel is authentic to you. So please, whatever you want to leave, all reviews and feedback are welcome. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening, uh, and we shall see you on the next podcast. Mm-hmm.